We are back, everybody, for the second episode of the new season of the Fulfilling Destiny podcast. I'm your host, Jan Rainey Packlub, and with me today is back at it again, Jazz Ladao. Hello. Welcome back. Hello. Good to be back. Always good to be back. Love being on the podcast. Oh, man. It's been a... <laughs> we just recorded an episode last week so if you haven't checked that out please check it out because i think it's great it's a great way to start off the new season and today we are going to go back and cover the things that we weren't able to cover last week uh we spent a majority of last week's episode talking about ourselves our experiences dealing with period stigmas uh, within our families, amongst our peers, some things that we've regretted and some things that we've learned, right? Because as we all know now, and we should know now from now until forever and how we teach our future kids, nieces, and supporters is that periods are periods. They're normal, biological. It will not change and it's nothing to be ashamed about, okay? But that is still something that we are advocating for our five foreign policies now and now we're going to talk about how we could how we see that in other places other places <laughs> other parts of the world right and if we could see uh if those changes have really been implemented right okay so jess you want to uh start this off where would you like to start anywhere in this world <laughs> anywhere in the world right now <laughs> Oh man, I feel like this is a very long discussion, but we could start it. Um, I guess we should start it from the very, very, very beginning about how um, menstrual cycles um, were kind of linked and how they viewed um, in previous um, culture. I wouldn't say cultures, but how it was in the you know prehistoric. What is it called? <laughs> when when. And when, when, when caveman, I'm like, I, can you believe I took an entire history class? I should know what they're called, but I like, don't remember. Um, Neolithic, Paleolithic around there. I don't know. Something around there. Very <laughs> in the past, beyond our time. Very little... early societies. Let's there we go. <laughs> that branch. All right. Um, yeah, because it kind of all started from there. Um, so uh, I was reading in an article from let's see if we pull up the name on a hello they discussed a uh, chris knight's model uh and they discussed how uh early females uh played an important role in shaping this new hunting behavior um, by acting in ways that promoted safety ensuring that the food from the hunt was shared and so what they did was that they believed that um periods um were kind of like almost like so what they would do was that they would, Sorry, and it was in a again? very like, oh, um, periods were very like sacred. I'll repeat okay, okay. that for the men, for everyone in the back, the non-menstruators. Periods are sacred, y'all. Hey, yo. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and what they would do is that they would kind of all the, um, and this is like in the hunter-gatherer societies. Um, so they would gather all together in one, like all the menstruators, and I'll just call them kind of women at the time, all the women would gather together in a group and they would um, hang out like, and it would kind of correlate with full moon. Um, so the menstrual cycle, they would all um, usually be menstruating at the same time. Cause I think if you, you know, experience being around a lot of women at one time, like if you're in a dorm or something, usually your periods would sync up. So at this time um, their periods would be um, 
syncing up at a specific time and that's when the men would go hunt it's a like so they can get their focus kind of thing like it was kind of like a like a ritualistic um and also like for men to focus on the hunt um so like the women didn't like distract them you know what i'm saying like if that makes any sense um so um it was kind of like a good luck also like to get um women away from being distracting men from like a hunt and uh this started to change when um hunter gatherer society started to grow so obviously they're like okay we need to hunt more to fuel our, our societies and um we can't just be be doing it as often as one as, as one time a month because it, they would only do it on the full um usually so that was and of course you know you only menstruate about one time you know 28 days you know once a month roughly um so that's when um women stopped gathering as often and then that's when their periods stopped sinking um and instead what they replaced it with because they're still very much like oh you know you know blood rituals are very important if this is like um dependent or like our success of our hunts are dependent on these blood rituals and things like that so what they did is they started introducing men's rituals in place of women so what they would do uh. is that they would like yeah, they would like cut penises or nose or ears or things like that and you know continue these same like blood practices for good luck instead of having women menstruate um and so it kind of that's when you see the um the kind of d divergence from the power of women this like weight of being like oh you know you are doing this like sacred thing and like your natural body's process um, and we need that to be successful because it's, it's sacred to men have that power now because they needed it, you know, out of, um, necessity because they, they kind of matched it up with being able, being needed to hunt. Mm -hmm. And I read that, I thought it was like really interesting. Cause I wonder if, if, um, it's, you know, two kind of thoughts kind of went in my head and I was just like, I wonder if that's why there's such a strong, um, like link or like a uh, belief especially when you read like things like um like the bible and things like that to mm -hmm. menzies being almost like an occult practice like like you know black magic kind of yeah thing. yeah um because it was it was like you know ritualistic in like a prehistoric sense you know what i'm saying like yeah um and i also wonder if that's also um how patriarchy kind of began because now they have the power of like oh um or what they believe to have the power of um like good luck they held the power of the, of the ritual and it's no longer in the in the hands of women and i wonder if that's like where it started to diverge a little bit and and oh the jazz <laughs> Oh no! Well, and you were uh, oh, a you lot cut out. Sorry. Oh no, you're good. I'm like my internet, y'all. Be like that. So, if anyone's listening to to this right now, have patience with us. Yeah. Okay, not everyone. That's another divergent topic that we could literally talk about. <laughs> the other intersectional parts of poverty that could even include literally the internet, right? Okay, but that's, that's something. So please be patient with us uh we're trying to make this work as best as we can right oh, yeah. mm -hmm. all right so that last like 30 seconds of thought <laughs> so you said what i heard last was uh something magical mm -hmm. culty how that invites patriarchy 
at least through mm-hmm. the context of this, you had two questions or two thoughts in your head. And that mm-hmm. second thought that we're missing, I think. Oh, uh, the second thought was, um, I wonder if, wow, I, now I just forgot my second thought. Um, I think it, or, oh, I, I wonder if that's like when um, the patriarchy started to kind of divulge into like um, them holding more power because it's all of a sudden women had this power of like, um, you know, you hold the ability for us to have like a good hunt and a good meal and pretty much our whole livelihoods right. into now men holding this practice because men are get, are the ones holding the rituals. Um, so I wonder if that's like when it started to really divulge into um, cultures seeing periods as kind of like like a hush hush or like things like that. Because I know that you did a lot of research as well. And um, a lot of the cultures, uh, the, like earlier cultures or like cultures that are very rich in history, um, a lot of them are are very like period honoring. And mm-hmm. you don't really see a divergence until like modern, I would say like modern religions kind of started to their toes in a little bit. But um, do you want to like talk about the cultures that do have like positive views of menstruation? Because I feel like um, a lot of people focus on the um, negative views that a lot of cultures have, but there are longstanding um cultures and like religions that do have a positive view on periods as far as positive i really like as far as positive, i know there are some but i haven't really seen it in the sense that it's like celebrated and the only way i could say that it's celebrated is when people have did have did that's completely <laughs> completely wrong <laughs> they have done advocacy for things like free bleeding or it's like we need more affordable products, all of that. That's that's what I see as it's more period positive. Mm-hmm. However, there are still places around the world where it's not that, uh, still places around the world, and I'm sure that some of us have already had an idea. Uh, some areas in Africa, uh, Nepal, they still have some very archaic ways of, or what we call it archaic in the modern world, right? It's very old school and they're, they're the way how they treat mentors, it's still deeply rooted in their culture. They are still sent away in isolation. They can't touch communal food, right? So let's say, let's say, let's say <laughs> in Nepal, uh, those myths and misconceptions about periods are still deeply rooted in their culture while the like having period huts are banned and in a legal sense, they are still sent away, kind of like incognito. Like, all right, you still can't be around us if you're menstruating in this current moment, right? Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, it's it's it still sucks, and it's harder now because, like, in the obviously in the pandemic now, like we have to be in the lockdown, we have to be isolated. What more if you are in a in a house? you're self-isolating, right? And then you're even more isolated within your own household, right? It's a, it's very taxing on the mind and I can see how people or mentors feel even more alone in this situation. Like I've read that, I forgot entirely which country or which culture it was, is that there was a menstruator who passed away in isolation um, because she smoked fumes from her own hut because she was trying to keep warm right she was trying to keep warm mm-hmm. in her own hut 
but she ended up smoking or breathing in all the fumes of the fire and she passed away that way because no one oh, wow. helps her with you know like feeding or preparing for oh, I'm going to be away in this hut for a long period of time and I had no support and then I did you know that's yeah. that's very that's very heartbreaking and then obviously uh in places like in Uganda right uh not all of Uganda some parts of Uganda uh a lot of girls or school girls um, end up skipping class because of getting teased and it's been proven through statistical data that a lot of young girls skip more class due to their periods instead of like actual sickness yeah. or like family duties or caretaking it's because they don't want to get teased and to those that have been teased some have committed suicide some have just retracted from school completely to help out with the family it's hard so then it puts a stop on what they could have been like they could have been the next uh the next scientist the next engineer the next big thinker in the world so that's still now that's still now that's a prevalent thing now still but for sure there is talks of opening up but when we when we think about it in olden times too is that olden times Back in the day, way, way back in the day, when you talk about the cultural, the cultural rituals of periods, that is still prevalent even in, in Rome, in medieval, in medieval ages, it's still around. Uh, the idea when you said that hunters and gatherers, like women, would separate themselves to worship, uh, to worship the the natural forces. In Rome, uh, I believe it's a philosopher by, I can't find a name because I really can't find a name. Uh, a philosopher wrote that men, actually, let me, let, me, let me rewind that back. A person who studied social interactions between men and women found a note by a Roman philosopher that Men had a fascination with the mysteriousness, mysteriousness, the, the mystery of being a woman. And those menstruations, menstruations God, I'm so bad today. Anyways, the, the cycles that women had, had magical powers. And those powers helped prevent hail, lightning, natural disasters, crops from growing rancid. Like women were the reasons why societies thrived and men wanted to capitalize on that. And I was just like, what? <laughs> so the idea of keeping people away was partly because they want to make sure nothing ruined their crops. Nothing went bad with the food supply. If you ruin the oh, food supply, yeah, if you ruin okay. the food supply, that is the end of the world because yeah, food... That's how we, that's how we survived for, we were very food oriented. <laughs> yeah. So that's one, it's very, it's very in tied with like the ideas of sorcery or magic yeah. and the mm -hmm. hubaloo. Uh, even in, in Mayan societies, this is some Pliny the Elder. Oh, that's wrong. Pliny the Elder. Pliny the Elder is the Roman philosopher. Okay. Uh, in Mayan mythology, uh, I have here, it says, in my mythology, menstruation believed to have originated as a punishment. And this is, this is where I could see 
where the patriarch could come in into it, right? If we're using big brain goggles. Um, as punishment after the moon goddess who represented women's sexuality and fertility disobeyed the rules of alliance when she slept with the sun god. Her menstrual blood was believed to have been stored in 13 jars where it was magically transformed into snakes, insects, poison, and even diseases. Interestingly, in some cases, the ancient minds believed the blood could turn into medicinal plants too. So kind of like, I also tied this to how I think about Adam and Eve. Like it's yeah. probably not entirely related. It really isn't. But as growing up as a Roman Catholic, uh, the idea that snakes and women were intertwined. And then looking mm -hmm. at this now, um, those 13 jars uh, in Mayan mythology transformed to snakes, insects, poison, and even diseases just tells me that even in the past and even in my religious upbringings that women were looked at to be dis like mis distrusted. Temp like temptresses. Temptress of. Yeah, temptresses just bad of sin. Yeah. yeah like they want you there's something about them that wants you to like sin like they mm -hmm. are alluring in, in in a in a way that's um you know forbidden kind mm -hmm. of thing yeah. yeah and then the fact that just looking at this is like what the menstruation is a punishment by yeah. the sun gods the moon goddess sun god it's a punishment put on you know, gives men power. And to me, or men in this case, in, in context of the of the mythology, it's really upsetting. It's like, oh man, really I'm getting punished <laughs> for doing something that is inherently normal. But obviously this is like before like before proper anatomy, before proper research that it's you can't really help it. But uh what we know about truth and what we know about the questions of known if you could put a label on it, it's less scary, right? So if something comes out of your vagina every month is weird, it's like, all right, we got to put a cap on this. We got to put a label on this. And the easiest thing they go to is like, it's bad. It's not good. I'm going to put power over you. This is how it's going to happen. <laughs> I was like, e it's, that's one, that's one way to do it. But now that now that I remember, since my brain suddenly decided to connect all the dots, when you talked about uh, when you talked about celebrating periods, I don't know if you know this, and I don't know if you ever heard of it. Uh, face painting, face painting using period blood. I have it. I it's more of like a very like um, I feel like a tribal and like indigenous kind of practice. I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. um, but I've heard of it for sure. When I think about that, or because uh, when I think about that, I think that's also uh, something that could be considered a celebrated cultural thing. Like it's not bad, it's good. It's like you're having uh, something placed upon you. You're going, you're integrating yourself back into your, your roots that this is mother earth. And this is something that completes you as a woman. Uh, at least that's what I've read. Um, why some people paint their faces with tribal insignias or markings uh, with period blood. And then also like the idea that after pregnancy, if you eat the placenta, it also gives. Oh yeah, good that health. Was like 
thing I've heard. Yeah, it's like really healthy for you or something like that. It's really healthy. Yeah, so I've heard stories. So this is back in high school when I took anatomy for the first time and everyone's a little squeamish about the birthing classes. They're like, oh, how does a baby come out? How does a period work briefly, right? And my friends and I would share stories like, yo, did your did your mom ever actually ate the placenta? And I'm like, excuse me, what? <laughs> they did what? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's supposed to be good for you. It's like some old ancient practice back in, you know, back in the day. It's like, but why would you want to? It's like, it's nutritious. Um, at the same time, in my head, it's like, <laughs> this is young me. Like huh? all, were these like uh, friends also like identifying as like Filipinx? Like, yeah, or... yeah. These are friends identified oh, from the okay. X that they have, and I'm just like, do you cook it? Like, I was asking like just really basic questions, like, <laughs> did you cook that? No, I think like, you eat it raw. You eat it raw, right? Is that correct? Yeah, you could eat it raw. If I remember yeah. correctly, you could eat it raw. You could have it cooked or like preserved and then used for later. Um, I've only really heard it in like animal context, right? Like, if I if I were to eat a cow, or that's not really bad. If I were to eat beef, uh, you could have that ordered and then that could be added into your juice. I heard it's an acquired taste, but don't take my word for it. But that's just <laughs> something that I thought about now since before I get off this, before I go off on this tangent. Um, what I think about some things that some cultures celebrate some aspects of women, of menstruation, and then a good majority of what I've read is mostly talking about what's air quote awful or mysterious or dangerous about menstruation so it's I'd say it's really complicated <laughs> I think um to complement what you were saying when I was uh, up on it and let me listen let me see if I find the article name so y'all can refer back to it it's called period stigma as discussed in religion by Anna Durrett it's on hello clue um and there's a bunch of, there's like a whole bibliography so if you guys want to do like look into like the direct literature of it I didn't want to do that because I spent all of college doing that. So I was <laughs> like, something you prepared for me, great. Um, I was reading and it, it was talking about how a lot of these um, positive menstrual associations and, and you, like uh, euphemisms are, uh, oh, you were talking about, um, did you mention in like cultures, like it's positively viewed, like more tribal cultures, it's like, or more indigenous tribal cultures, it's yeah. very positively viewed. Mm -hmm. um, in that in those societies that there's like a, a more equal degree of gender egalitarian yeah, yeah. more equal footing mm -hmm. of men and women in those societies which I found very interesting and that versus like the cultures that have like a lot of period shame there is a a huge difference um in in men and women in terms of like societal um levels or like in terms of like the power they have in society like the power dynamic is what yeah I'm actually to tie into that too i just remembered this was something that i've heard in a podcast or if i heard from someone who's a linguist is that the more egalitarian the society or the societies that have a language they have language right obviously obviously societies have language to a degree right <laughs> non-verbal or verbal okay let's make that clear however um when words don't have sex or gender attached to it uh -huh. like friends like for us we have men women boys girls right mm -hmm. but it's a size that don't have those things but it refers to you like you 
them very neutral. Oh, very, very gender neutral. Kind very, of. yeah, very gender neutral. Like you said, it helps even out the balance. Therefore, people treat each other pretty equally and fairly, right? So that's what I just wanted to add that in there too, is that part of it is also language. And then if you don't treat people in certain boxes, you don't have these unequal power uh, dynamics that could exist. Yeah, there's like no preconceived notions of things that are like, like there's no unapplied notions of like, yeah, yeah. I just want to throw. <laughs> yeah, I just want to throw that in there. Go ahead, finish your thought. <laughs> I don't know. No, you're good. But um, yeah. So I feel like in those societies, like, and it was funny when you brought up, you know, your friends were talking about this because we, you know, as a Filipino member, you have to remember too that our cultures before we were colonized by the Spaniards and mm-hmm. by everyone else that you know, like, like the U.S. and whatever. Um, and before Catholicism was a really big thing, we were indigenous, mm-hmm. we were like, um, you know, very tribal. And like, I feel like people kind of forget that, especially when, you know, because we've been colonized for like so long, <laughs> so incredibly long. And, you know, Roman Catholicism is so, so deep in our roots mm-hmm. um, that you almost forget that there are like um, a very, you know, these tribal practices are you're kind of like dying out, but they're still existence like you know Igorot people are still you know existing and like you know Ilocano is like the very oh Ilocano yeah they're you know they're still like existing like there's tons of tribal groups in the Philippines that you like um kind of forget about and it kind of makes me wonder too like what the gender dynamics in these societies look like too because I personally don't know I wish I did know just my history but um I don't I wish I did more research into Mm -hmm. it um yeah but also in this uh in this uh, article, it was talking about how a lot of these, um, like what the cultures believed were um, like period stigmas in general, like beliefs about periods in general, like whether they were good or bad, a lot of them developed independently of, of, from each other. So like mm-hmm. yeah. uh, whoever they felt in one area of like Africa be different in another and versus like the US and the UK and they all developed very differently, but there was like one tie that, um, or like they saw a common theme when it came yeah. to like religion. Yeah. That it was very, you know, <laughs> was very a very negative um, connotation. connotation yeah. When it came mm-hmm. to um, period, so I'm gonna read a bit of it, and I'm I'm like not I'm definitely not bagging on religion. You know what I mean? Because I feel like the thing is you can interpret religion in so many different ways, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like unfortunately a lot of the times like a lot of modern religions are like weaponized to be like upholding a patriarchy true Um, i would say true to my truth like it's how i see it as a former i would say former roman catholic it's we're we're how we how we're talking about this now is in the context of mostly historical Mm -hmm. yeah it's just in, in historical context like we've all are deeply aware of how religious messages have been used to promote some agendas right we'll put that lightly uh promote some agendas um and we're asking our viewers to be understanding of that that we're only really looking at this from a perspective of our experiences as women x as philippine x and in like i said in a historical lens that's (laughs) please don't please don't flames no flames please (laughs) (laughs) you you can't really like blame 
the religion itself you know what i mean it's always how people will interpret um, it. interpret it and, and perpetuate it and and you know disseminate that message and what they do with it that's kind of like the important part because i am you know someone who identifies I don't know if I'm like full Christian yet, but I was raised <laughs> Catholic and I still very much believe in God and things like that. But I do still have the ability to, you know, sit and criticize and be like, hey, this hasn't always been on the positive side of society. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so let me just read to you all some of the taboos that are mentioned in like um, in religious texts. So um, yeah, also, I, I don't know if y'all remember, but the but Islam, what is it? Islam, Christianity and Catholicism are all like kind of based off of the same same general idea okay i hope you guys remember that that they're all like related religions they all fall under like the same umbrella okay yeah um if jan uh if marina if you'd like to explain more of that i'm sure because you know you know a lot about it but (laughs) basically well this is just a quick summary it if we if we think about it in terms of a tree right one branch is just in big letters religion and in three three big groups, you have like Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. And then from there, you have your multiple there denominations. You and wherever you lie in, at some to some degree, it all relates back to that one big thing. We like believe you believe in a higher power. And it's like one a singular God. Is that what mm-hmm. you mean, right? Okay. Yeah. In and context of yeah, in context of these three that I see right here. In context of these three quotes that you're going to read um mm-hmm. it's one god in this context right okay. but then you have multiple denominations and wherever you lie say like lutheran protestant anglican whatever uh it, it's related and they have developed separately they had share some texts but um before i go on to this religious history tangent <laughs> we'll have jazz read some of these quotes for us go ahead um so from the Quran, um, we have read, go apart from women during the monthly course. Do not approach them until they are clean. So again, there's this like um, implication that when m- women are menstruating, that they're dirty, that they're impure. And I like, I don't know where this comes from in terms, this, com- this comes from specifically in terms of like the Quran, because I'm not, I don't um, practice this religion, but it's, I'm sure it's like similar to um, Roman Catholicism. And I'm sure you could also explain more on this as well Mm -hmm. about how um, or why periods were thought as impure in religion. Because honestly, it's something that I don't really understand. Like I know it existed, but honestly, there's like so many things going on in religion that I'm just like, there's a lot. Um, (laughs) Yeah. um, In the Bible, it's something similar. Uh, They talk, they uh, mention in her menstrual impurity, she is unclean. Whoever touches shall be unclean and shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Ah, Leviticus. (laughs) I have a lot to say. Like, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know what these things mean. Uh, Uh, Yeah, no, it's, I, (laughs) just looking at Leviticus just makes me like, like frown. It's just like, "Mm." I mean, for every for everyone who is from the LGBTQA community, we have some gripes on Leviticus and how they treat members of our uh, members of our group, right? Speaking of like non, you know, like you know, LGBTQ friendly religion, like I think it's crazy because there's also people who are like who have studied like um, like the original like in Latin texts 
just like, no, this wasn't like ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like wondering, like, how much of the Bible like, wasn't translated properly, or like things were inserted in English for a specific, again, a specific agenda. Right. Oh, I have a. Oh, I have, I could spend the latter half out off camera on why that is. I mean, I'm like, go ahead, like, go ahead, continue. For sure, but it's just like I. It kind of makes me wonder too, like. Or like, I guess this is my, more my question for you because I'm sure you know more mm-hmm. about this. Is like, were these things that were mentioned in the Quran and the Bible and and also in the Latin Encyclopedia? Let me let me blurb that for y'all real quick. It says, "Contact with menstrual bud turns new wine sour. Crops touched by it becomes barren. Grafts die, and seed and gardens are dried up. The fruits of trees fall off. The edge of steel and the gleam of ivory are dull. That is extreme. Hives of bees die. Even bronze and iron are at once seized by rust, and a horrible smell filters the fills the air. To taste it drives dogs mad and infects their bites with incurable poison. This is a lot. That's extra. Anyways, like <laughs> as That's- I was asking, <laughs> it's a lot. Isn't that dramatic? It's like okay, relax, calm down. It really doesn't do all that. Okay. Uh, it really doesn't. But then if. <laughs> Like this is this is a Latin encyclopedia back in 73 AD. Uh, if we were to look, I'm I'm probably gonna get doxxed for this. Just to say, when was Christ? When when did Christ die? After? Because <laughs> it's in AD. I you knew. I don't think. I, as far as like my timeline, because I only know BCE and CE. Okay, before Common Era and Era, like BC is before Christ, AD is after. No. I'm gonna get that wrong. I'm just not gonna say it. <laughs> I think it's after death. Oh, <laughs> if we're wrong, sorry. You are the religious studies major, girl. I thought you would know. Okay, okay. No, it's 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 not religious studies. Is it? Relig- yes, I actually did. I I actually attempted to get a minor, but I I focused. Let's be clear here <laughs> before we completely gaff this up. <laughs> uh, when I was studying at university, I was attempting to get a. Re- like religious studies minor but most of it was focused around eastern eastern religions oh this makes a lot more sense now okay yeah so i so yes to a degree i had to learn or learn like christianity or catholicism Mm -hmm. in context of the university level but then i also dabbled in eastern medicine liked it followed it and then i this is where i start looking into women's studies or they called it religious studies in context of women. So I took a class called goddesses studies. So this is where like a lot of that former knowledge just like kind of comes in that how were women treated as goddesses then and not necessarily goddesses now, Can right? We back? Can we throw back Thursday back? <laughs> yeah, no, honestly. Um, but like referring back to that Latin encyclopedia, right? So I, I referenced that one uh, philosopher. I think this is around the same time. Um, and it's, I mean, come on, that's that's a little extra. If anything, uh, it doesn't work that way. It really doesn't work that way. You have to be out of your mind if you think like, if you touch menstrual blood and then obviously if you touch, if you touch blood in general and put it in any other things, of course it's going to be bad. Like, come on, it's common sense. But, um, but to think that if someone's just menstruating and you don't know, and you touch that person on the shoulder and you're like, hi, and then you suddenly like <laughs> burst into flames. You gotta be joking. Like, come on, give me a break. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's like extreme. But like my question, um, coming back to my question to you is, were these things, were whatever is like stated here or like this translation, were these things like are in the original like text 
up you know what I mean or was was it something that was like added in later I'm sure like you don't know because it's mm-hmm. like it's an I feel like it's like an expert thing to know like a, you know what I mean like someone mm-hmm. who's like actually read the original text and like who has time for that unless you're professionally studying that um yeah. to get to it yeah. um, but it's it's just like when did the, was this actually in the bible in the, or the quran or was it something that was like added later for a specific reason and if it was you know when did this come about like what was the context of that time blah blah blah, mm-hmm. blah. Okay, so what I could tell you, so this is like I said, this is just from my knowledge and what I've already learned in class or Mm -hmm. what I've learned from other sources. I would link to all of them, but they're all in my brain from years ago. (laughs) So just uh, take my words with a grain of salt if you think it's wrong, right? Or if my viewers think that I'm wrong, just let me know. Or, you know, just take it with a grain of salt, right? Um, For all I know, having direct translations word by word into English is actually very difficult. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And as you all know, uh, if if you're aware, Jazz, right, um, there have been multiple, multiple translations of the Bible. They have been written by multiple authors with their own thoughts and opinions. Which is very confusing to me, mm-hmm. by the way, because it's like, did it, I'm confused. Like, did they translate it from, like, Latin into, like, New Latin into, like, English into, like, yes. New English? Like, where, where? <laughs> so, to, to my knowledge of of how translations essentially work back then. Latin was the base language for these things. It kept, it, it like, I. this is a tangent, but this is pretty relevant in, since we do look at these texts for ideas on how we treat menstruators, okay? So just bear with me here, okay? So before Latin was the official language for religious texts, we'll, we'll put this in Christianity, right? In Christianity, Latin was the preferred way to teach and it was only given to like popes, priests, to teach to the to the to the clergy, right? Or to the what do you call it? 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 The 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 worshippers. We'll say worshippers because I can't think of the right word for it, right? And then uh, I believe it was was it Constantine? I hope it's Constantine. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. There was someone who decided to change uh, the official language to be Greek. And therefore, opening up the avenues on how to read oh, certain seriously? things. Mm-hmm. So oh, Latin, okay. yeah. So like Latin was a, it's a very hard language to learn. Only the top yeah. of the top would know. The average person back in ancient times would speak Greek. Greek would be like the common language. And when oh, you open okay. up the common language and you open up religious texts to be read or be taught how to read. That means more people like want to join the religion. Yeah, it makes people want to join yeah. the religion. And then obviously then because you're translating it, right, word of mouth, you could change a couple things. And it may not be noticeable now, but then, you know, as more people talk, right, like that's like the old childhood game, telephone game. Yeah, you say like, dog eats cat, but then at the end of the line, you hear cat eats dogs, like, where? No, it'll be like a completely different sentence. It'll be like, Mary bought me a sock. (laughs) Yeah, so like, stuff like that. So, and then when you have prophets or you have uh other people who crit like do critiques of each other's work right so say prophet x critiques prophet y, like prophet y and then tr- puts their work in someone still needs to translate and make copies of it they might miss a word here and there and then words go missing stuff like that so like when we think about that way um definitions or insinuating meanings are kind of hard to tell that's all 
and then I read I, the link is not here anymore for some reason I can't find it is that there is actually an article that discusses the word taboo and where taboo originates and why that relates to women now like it used to mean something empowering for women right but then because there's like dual definitions for things how it developed over time is that taboo now means something that needs to be kept secret hidden away from others uh so you don't embarrass each other right so the that's like the complicated part of linguistics right it wasn't intended for it to be that way but it became part of our uh like it became part of our society we think of taboos as something terrible but it's because of the definition that people over and over and over chose to use oh so it yeah. was that's it gave it that specific connotation because mm -hmm. that's just how the people decided to yeah use yeah when you pick, it didn't necessarily mean that yeah it, mm -hmm. it didn't okay. mean it then at first but then you know like you said when you're pushing certain certain agendas especially if you're uh in power like as a like a chieftain a leader a priest a rabbi or stuff like that then that's where the messy part comes in you know and then you could have educators or you have advocates say like well this is not what it means back then people will be like well that's how i was taught my father was taught my mother was taught blah 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 down the line so that's a uh, something to think about it's a very long tangent but just know that it's not how it was intended to be at the time mm -hmm. but what we could do now is that we just talk about it. We talk about what it was now, what we could change, and what can we bring back, right? Female empowerment, uh, positivity to some biological, uh, biological needs or biological cycles. Oh right? yeah, because like I know in social media, like when we think of like mentors or just powerful women act we're like yes queen yes like slay goddess moment let me bow down to you stuff like that it's like well why now you know like <laughs> there there's a whole timeline where we had those things and we just let it slide and put other other historical figures take place and they tend to be typically men you know it's mm -hmm. like oh yeah yes king yes king's like no i mean like not no it's just like we're forgetting that there is a whole other population that deserves to be celebrated. And instead we spent a good majority of our history hiding them because of things that we can't control, right? So it's just, it's a little sad, but that's partly what I wanted to go with it. And my thought is now empty. So help me transition to the next thing. <laughs> yeah, um, so I feel like there is we are kind of moving into an era now where it we are starting to you know embrace you know women uh, i feel like the history of women is kind of more um we're tr we're really starting to see kind of um more society like you know looking back at history and realizing that wow women really were like a lot of the times you know a pinnacle of society and and held of like an important value and mm -hmm. i think that being able to recognize that is an important part of being able to to normalize things that are about like women x you know what i mean like these are normal things i was listening to a podcast and it was called um i'm sure i don't know if you listeners listen to this but it's called the tripod ayo <laughs> yeah the tripod yeah and um eugene um was talking about i don't remember what the conversation was about but it, it was had something to do with like periods 
um and how he was just like yeah my because he he has only sisters he doesn't have any brothers and he was just like yeah growing up periods were like very normal to me because it's just like if you poop you know poop comes out of your body you know what's any different about blood coming out of your body it's just, it's literally the same you know what I mean like it's mm-hmm. the same you know concept it's that's how he was like mm-hmm. oh yeah whatever I think so. that's also because uh like if we know about Eugene from the Try Guys right or from what we know about his history is that um his parents had separated and he spent the majority of his childhood and early adulthood staying in what is essentially a uh like a matriarchal like household like mm-hmm. it's also, surrounded by women like he's surrounded by women so it normalizes some of those conversations that he knows now so therefore he feels comfortable talking about it with other women but when we think about some other family dynamics you could just have like a string of uh there was someone i know uh who had a string of boys like the first four the first four kids were all boys and then the last one was a girl and then she feels isolated sometimes because it's like well none of my brothers could relate to an experience that i've had unless it was something to dating but it's more of like it's still awkward that she could only confide to her mother instead of like going to her brother's room who could drive and you potentially get like tampons or pads or cups for her it's like yo bro can you grab me this like oh no i don't want to go to walmart to go pick it up for you type of thing it's just like seriously Mm-hmm. Oh, that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, but you know, it's also it's just like how those like how those things have been raised. Like I know my like my father is very understanding, but mm-hmm. to his credit, he's still a little like gun shy when he talks about it. He's just like, okay, do you need something going to the store? It's just like, oh, he'll yes. be like very discreet. <laughs> yeah, he he wants to be discreet. I mean, back then when I was when I was younger, I wanted to be discreet too. It's just like, yeah, can you just, you know, you know the thing, you know the brand, can you please? He's like, okay, I got it. But then now it's just like, I could just be having like one of my emotional highs. I'm craving things. I just like yell into the abyss like, dad, I need chocolate. Can you grab chocolate? He's like, I got it. It's like, perfect. Thanks, dad. <laughs> like... <laughs> I like I think my dad for being understanding but I know that's not usually the case uh, not usually but I it depends on person by person or mentor by mentor like how your family dynamics work but I encourage you now if you have like little siblings or nieces or any mentor out there who needs extra support talk to them because they may have questions that are unable to answer my mom answered them but she's very clinical about it she did like she did she did fascinate my like fairy tale thoughts basically it's like oh like what if you know does like the stork with the egg you know the stork with the baby it's like you you were like okay where's the party of the red sea kind of going on <laughs> <laughs> she's like she's like marini that's not how it works like oh it's like this is how it works this happens and this happens okay we're not going to talk about it anymore that's all you oh. need to know I mean, I think it was kind of good that she kind of told you, like, what it was, at least, like, in terms of, like, biology, because then, I mean, like, if she, if there were to be, like, a brother, then, like, it's just, like, it is, it is what it is. It's not anything, like, weird. There's nothing, like, fantastic about it. I would like to imply that there's something mythical about, like, something fantastic. Like, it's, yeah, I am powerful and what, but, like, I know that it's not low-key, but. Yeah, like, I mean. Because I have cramps, I can't say it's powerful because it's like I feel powerless to my uterus that contracts <laughs> 60 times a day. But, you know, it's just like, oh, yes, I could flex. I'm like, yes, I could carry a child in this 
tiny body of mine. I'm five. I'm five foot. I so know. It's just I, like- I like think that's like really cool. Whenever I do think about that, and like you know, I have friends that are pregnant now, and like um, you know, family members getting pregnant, and I always think about like, wow, like people who have uteruses have the ability to carry like life in them, or like, or even if they like can't, like it's just still like, I don't you, know. You had the power. You had the power. Yeah. That's yeah, pretty freaking cool. How that is like incredibly huge and it's just like the things that your body can do and to build and house and grow another human another like living thing is like insane to me I'm just like wow your your body like as someone who has a uterus does a lot for you and I'm like wow that's like I don't know every time I think about it I'm just like dang that's a lot like go you but also your your worth in your your mysticality and your fantasticalness is not based on your ability to have kids either so that is true that as you wish I'm just saying just the the general idea of being able to do it is Mm -hmm. the general idea and to me I think it's like absolutely terrifying because like 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 how we mentioned the try guys they did uh things for I believe was Mother's Day I think it was like a Mother's Day a YouTube series where they go they walk through the journey of motherhood like from conception to pregnancy and to the birth and they did the experiment where they had those patches and they turned the dial just to to simulate contractions I believe oh, yeah I think it was like for Ariel's um Ariel's like, first pregnancy yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. okay congratulations Ariel to your uh second child Finn uh <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah like stuff like that like having like when we think about men talking about some of those mysterious phenomenons of women like pregnancy like uh youtubers like the try guys who try anything and everything um made it more comfortable to talk about because i know i still have some friends who are fathers now who wanted to avoid the complicate like the complications of handling a pregnancy like the emotional highs emotional lows planning the appointments the kicks the sleepless nights you know the like some struggled with that thought and unfortunately some have left their relationships because the stress got too much and it's just like that is something that needs to be discussed too in our house it's like well if at one point like you have a a son or uh who wants to be in a relationship with somebody and there is talks about having kids it's that's part of that's part of the topic too it doesn't just stop at the relationship it's all about the relationship everything and where it could lead right because if the conversations discussed now, that invites problems later on. That could be someone that's not cared for properly or the relationship just ends, right? And I know this is like a weird segue to go into, but that's uh, something we need to talk about, that we need to invite more conversation on those mysteries so it's not a mystery anymore. It's normal. All right, it's like, oh, if you're feeling a certain way, there is a reasonable explanation for it, or at least a biological explanation, like why you're feeling this way. Or sometimes you could just feel some way to feel some type of way and that's okay too. But it's mm-hmm. also important to be able to like recognize those feelings and, um, you know, know when one to communicate them effectively and two, um, being able to form healthy habits out of it. Cause I feel like a lot of the times, um, when we feel certain types of ways, you know, whether if it's like anger or like sadness or whatever, a lot of times you develop really like negative and unhealthy coping mechanisms. This is a whole 
different topic that I think is like eventually going to come up in the in the wheelhouse of the podcast but yeah but no like this is a quick little <laughs> nugget for y'all yeah it's a it's a plug but like if we if we were to tie it back now like if we think about how we talked about periods and how we think about some of these cult like some of these societies and cultures that still have very traditional rituals like sending someone away to be in a hut isolating it's like imagine what that feels like to the menstruators like but why like answering the why question like why is this happening to me why do i have to be separated why am i no longer viewed as a like a, a human being like why am i treated as something like that's akin to like a dog or like a rabid dog that needs to be sent away you know it's like oh. yeah so i feel like when some of those things happen especially to young young menstruators it's like what, what was there an actual conversation this like did they talk about this you know but you know like i said this is just through a conversation like conversations needs to happen and i don't think sure. in some of these societies um it's kind of like whoever's in the power word is law That's word fair. is law and then you're gonna get sent off no questions no buts no comments and then you're just sitting there and then like you said those unhealthy coping coping mechanisms or those uh negative thoughts attitudes right it festers in isolation or it festers when those questions are have gone unanswered for years and it can make people bitter angry angry at themselves right for something that they can't control and then angry at those who feel like they had to put them there in the first place you know that's that's what I wanted to bridge uh bridge around so it doesn't seem like I just have tangent thoughts yeah. going off everywhere but I also do, um, have a question for you kind of speaking yeah. about us needing as a society to talk about periods and periods in general yeah um so we talked a lot about the history of like why you know the stigma around periods and kind of where it come from in terms of um religion and like hunter gays and like how kind of um stemmed from you know ritualistic kind of views um moving forward in like modern times how would you suggest people who aren't menstruators to advocate for people who are menstruating um like how would you like what is something like a piece of advice that you would give to them to help uh menstruators um to like kind of like feel out for menstruators and for you know to do something how like how should they approach this conversation to like normalize it Ooh, that's actually kind of interesting because i I had this talk. I had this talk. So, as you know, Jazz, or at least have, have what we talked in in previous meetings with our with our executive assistant, and other interns, is that I'm currently in a relationship. I'm currently in a relationship with a cisgender male, and I love him very much. But uh, when I was bringing about this podcast, he's just like, "Really? That actually happens? Like, did your mom not teach you?" And then he has a younger sister, about three years younger than him. No, six years. Wait, she is 20. Six years, yeah, six years younger than him. And it's just like, you have a younger sister though. Has she ever come to you for some of these things? Like, well, I know that I need to go grab like products for her sometimes, but I never talked to her about it. I was like, oh, bad. <laughs> so I, I say it teasingly to him, just like, oh, no. It's like, oh, honey, no, you know? <laughs> it's like, well, what do you know? It's like, I could teach you, like, right now. Like, what 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 questions do you have that your mom or your sister may never gave you, you know? And then that is just something like, that's, that's between our relationship of, like, friendship, first to begin with then relationship we spent 10 years 
kind of knowing each other so it's easy to talk about it with him and now he's a little bit more sensitive and understanding about some of those things that I go through when I'm menstruating right but that's just my personal experience when it comes to sharing this information with other people it's I just tell them it's like well what do you know about this misconception that you have it's like here's what I could tell you and I'm gonna try to do it in a way that doesn't make it sound like I'm condescending or I'm like a feminazi or stuff like that it's like well here's what I could tell you it's like well that's not technically true but this is where the thought started how it's interpreted and this is what it really is now it's like oh you have PMS like no that's not really it PMS it would be too extreme what it what this person is feeling this metric is feeling is probably an uptick on hormone levels and that can manifest in certain emotions but that's not it's not angry all the time. It could be really euphoric or just really sad. It's really just on a spectrum. That's why I would normally would explain to people, especially people who use the word PMS way too much. <laughs> it's a no, yeah, I roll, so I roll very, for this. You're very much like on the, the train of like inviting people into the conversation and, and encouraging non-menstruators to ask questions mm -hmm. and be like, and to be like more proactive, I guess is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. to be like, hey, like, what is this? Or like, what is that? Like, I, this is what I know, like, is this wrong? Is this right? Like, I don't really understand it. So like, for them to just be open about what they do know and what they don't know, is kind of yeah. like. I mean, also that, like also on the flip side too, like I asked them about things that I don't know because I was never taught or it's like, I only know it in context of like anatomy. It's like, mm -hmm. all, like not to get like, like not to say it like out here. It's like, okay, so what happens if you're like, like we all, we all know like, uh, erections, right? Or the I, like consummating sex and everything. It's just like, all right, so what happens after? It's like, what does it do after? Like, how does it feel after hot, cold, whatever, stuff like that. So it's like, if I, if I open, if I open myself up to teach, it's like, I want them to teach me as well. It's like, what is something that I don't know that happens in your bodies that I think that I should know, right? It's like, like how we said, uh, vaginas all come in shapes and sizes they're not the same right even if you're twins it's not necessarily the same you have your own unique needs for uh for your body right that, that could be the same way for cisgender males it's like they're not the same either and that's okay and when they have their when they have their emotional highs or emotional lows it could just be those up levels of hormones or something else so that's like what I try to tell others or I encourage my viewers, like if you have some questions, if you are in a relationship with anybody, uh, I'm not saying like romantic relationships, like your platonic friendships, even your family, like try to talk about some of those things that you may never know. And that could also come around of talking about your health history. What do you have and what, what does your family history have that you could be aware about and that you could change to prevent further health complications in the future? Because a lot of the things that we feel in our bodies that we don't talk about or ask questions about ends up biting us in the butt later, right? It's like, oh, oh. this should have, like, this could have been a sign that I had X, Y, Z, but I never asked because I didn't know who to ask. And Preventative I, medicine is a whole huge it's, topic. It's a whole huge topic, but that's that's part of the that's part of the lines. Like, if you don't talk you'll never know. And then if you never know, you won't seek, you won't seek answers for them. It will leave 
like lingering in your thought rent free in your head <laughs> so um talking to your uh it's like talking to your like male partners or your allies whoever they may be is very very important friends. yeah if they're if they're not as open to talking about it i would say i wouldn't want to put so much emotional effort in trying to change their mind if that's what they see that mentoring is gross and ew i don't want it don't touch me then it's like bad one they're not your real friends <laughs> and two it's just like you don't need to you don't need to waste your energy on that you could put that in other things like supporting your other menstruators out there it's like well if this person is to believe it i could change like i could potentially change someone else's mind um who could help us sooner you know so i think you brought up a really good point too is just kind of using like words like period and like bleeding and things like that like related things like in a normal conversation like oh are you on your period are you bleeding right now like mm -hmm. are you yeah like be able to say those things and not be like oh are you on the rack are you are you is aunt flow here kind of thing like just being able to say it and say it freely and say it like and so for some people like for me personally i've never had to i've never kind of done that like i was never like a oh is aunt flow here i'll do it like as a joke but like it, yeah i'm very much i'm very open i'm just like oh are you on your period or whatever like are you do you need a tampon like i'll say it out in open conversation i don't care but i know for some other people that might be very difficult for um them so i think you know just to say it out loud and to especially if you're a non-menstruator and you see that someone's uncomfortable with like saying things like that like like oh like can you know can you have a tampon it's like yeah you can you know being able to respond in a way that's confident and being like oh you know this is a normal conversation to have it's okay to have this conversation i think is re very reassuring to mm -hmm. um mentorators people who don't feel comfortable um mentioning um unless it's like unsafe um mm -hmm. that's a different thing know. yeah that's like a whole different kind of topic but you know if it's like you know in a safe situation and and it doesn't require for them to be like discreet then yeah like be able to mm -hmm speak um in confidence and with um like with normalcy mm -hmm. um it's kind of like cues you just need to yeah like, you need to be more attentive to certain cues like if they do use those euphemisms like on the rag right on flows here it's like maybe there's a reason like maybe they're a little uncomfortable really using like dropping the period where like blood's coming out of my vagina like <laughs> they might be a little too shy to use it so maybe that is a way to talk about it. it's like it's like oh hey like i'm it's okay that you, you know you could just say it. it's okay i'm comfortable with it you know mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about it i'm not here to judge you yeah. i think reassuring is like a really big part of um making period talk very you know normal for people and i think too um oh what was one of them i was like i had one on the tip of my tongue and now i can't remember <laughs> eventually but yeah being for sure reassuring in conversation when you know that they're like uncomfortable is like a huge one for sure mm-hmm especially yeah i'd say that's especially more important now uh especially since we are in quarantine mm -hmm. uh we have menstruators here probably listening in um who might be feeling a little bit more and what i mean by feeling a little more they're feeling really incredibly high and those incredible highs and incredible lows when it comes to their cycles and like whoever they're living with it's like i would hope that they would be understanding that this is something that's probably not going to go away like i'm just saying like in terms of quarantine obviously your menstrual cycle is not going away it's just like be patient understanding 
reaffirm what they're going through. Uh, and I, as we all know, these cycles are temporary, at least, you know, from the range of four days to 12 days, like just be understanding and don't snap at each other. That's what I would recommend. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I think definitely, I think two more things are like really big, kind of really big points. I think one of the uh, big points is also like, this is kind of for men menstruator. Well, I mean, I guess it's also for non-menstruators um, and their concept of menstruators. Like one experience of one person menstruating is never the same. It's like, is not going to be the same between menstruators. So like, let's say you have like a sister um, who menstruates or something. And then you have like a partner who also menstruates. Those two people might not have the same menstruation. So one person, you know, if they experience it differently, don't, don't invalidate one person's experience just because it's not the same. Mm -hmm. Um, like you have to understand that like everyone experience with menstruation is going to be different. And just because someone like, let's say one menstruator has a really painful um, menstruation and one person doesn't, it doesn't mean that the person who has a painful menstruation is lying. It just means that they have a different experience. So I think um, menstruators, men, both menstruators and non-menstruators need to remember and like just be a little bit more compassionate and aware that like what your personal experience is with menstruating is not going to be the same as another person. So what we need to advocate for is something that will encompass everybody's needs. So like, if that means, you know, um, the person who has painful menstruations or the person who has irregular menstruations, like being able to, or, or maybe someone who's in the, who's a trans person that menstruates, like being able to um, advocate for things that will cover everybody like everybody who menstruates <laughs> yeah because you have to remember that it's not just cisgendered females mm -hmm. who menstruate and then I think also another thing too is this kind of goes back like hearkening back to your um point of mm -hmm. um like people who use like PMS too much yeah it's like be very like thoughtful about what you like before you even say anything to someone mentioning think like Am I being a dick? <laughs> like, is, <laughs> should I be saying this? Like, because this, this kind of goes for anything too. Like, before you even, you know, say, I think, you know, it's just always just like think before you speak. And it's, it sounds really dumb to like have this be a point, but a lot of people don't. A lot of people just like word vomit. And so, like, they'll say any, like, the first thing that comes to mind without having to think or like without considering whether or not what they're saying is going to have an impact on a person even if it's like something like really small it could just like you know the implications of it could really set like a person off like sometimes like uh let me give you all an example so like when um me and my partner um sometimes he'll say something to me like oh like uh, why did you say excuse me <laughs> excuse me i'm busy excuse me <laughs> anyway, uh, but sometimes like, my my partner are um like arguing like or like we'll get in the start of an argument i'll like ask him a question like oh like why didn't you do xyz why didn't you xyz and he's like why it's not important and like to him that saying that is like like a you know an honest question and something that like he wouldn't think too much about if that was someone saying it to him but for me there are so many more implications like that like oh like is what i'm saying not important to you or mm -hmm. or you know what I mean? Like there are yeah, so yeah. many other nuances because I'm interpreting it and it's whatever you may think about it may be different versus how I'm, <laughs> how I'm excuse me, sorry, how I'm um, interpreting this, you know what I mean? So like really 
taking into consideration about who you're talking to, how you're saying it, and whether or not that person is going to receive it in the way that you intend is very important. So this does mean like, you know, being like, oh, are you on your period? <laughs> or, oh, you're, you seem really moody. Are you PMSing? Like, like, you know, stop and like, think for a second, you know, and like register. For some people that might not make them mad or like that might not upset them. And that's, you know, that's cool, mm -hmm. you know, gauge where you're at. But like for a lot of people that will make them upset and it's just like, you just really have to um, just be more thoughtful about what you're saying. And that is something hard. So just, you know, before you even say anything, like stop and think. Mm -hmm. Is this something that, is this, am, am I, um, are my intentions um, being clear what I'm saying and what I'm, and how I'm saying it. Well, to add to that, before we go ahead and start to wrap up, is that uh, what I've learned in my time of talking to people, <laughs> just in general, right? It's like I said, sometimes people don't think about what comes out of their mouth, and I've heard some very dumb excuses. And dumb excuses like, "Well, I just say what I say, and I'm not going to be sorry about that." It's like, well, you don't have to be sorry about that. True, but. Like I said, those have some very strong implications. And we've seen it in social media where things can be very drastic or even just straight up tragic, right? Because some of those things I've said unapologetically without any filter or stuff like that, because, you know, it's like, well, it's my right to free speech or stuff like that, right? But when I when I encourage people or like, like you said, think about what you're going to say, right? Especially in con like, even like, not just a professional environment, right? Like, even in your personal person, person, yeah, yeah, you need to be, you need to at least keep your mind open. And what the beautiful thing about the human brain is that it could learn. You could rewire some of those things by just changing the way you speak. So like you said, like you with your partner, you're having a, a bit of a row, right? You're fighting with each other um, and you're having a verbal argument. And when you force yourselves to calm down or restructure the way the next few words comes out of your mouth, you are also changing the stress that you feel in your brain. You're also changing how you speak. You're also understanding, you're also building emotional maturity. And that's the beautiful, beautiful thing about the brain, but that does take practice. So yeah. like if the first thing that comes out of your mouth is like, are you PMSing? Try to be like, there is probably a reasonable explanation why he, she, they are upset let's think about it really quick or like or you could just ask them like why like hey you seem upset like is everything okay like yeah it's like yeah. you don't you don't even need to go that far to think about what they have gone throughout their day to make them feel this way it could just be like all right i could feel the tension is getting high or there is going to be a disagreement in the next two three minutes let's take a let's take a step back and rewind and like i said that that takes some time to learn and to those who say like, well, I still want to be, I want to say whatever I want to say. I don't want to filter it for anybody. It's like, true, you can. But that also puts strain on the other person because they have to interpret everything you say in their lens. It's like, kind of take a peek at each other. Even the person who is on the receiving end of like, are you on your, like, are you PMSing right now? Are you in your period? Also, it's like, like when I hear that, I try to force like, all right, don't react. Don't make myself seem like a, like a prick. It's like, well, I'm on my period, but I'm not experiencing PMS because if you like, I, 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 I try to be very like, 
clinical about it's like well i don't experience x y or z therefore it's not pms so no you're wrong um but i am feeling pretty high strung i'll tell you that much like it could be as simple as that or it's just like you know what using the word pms is wrong i'm just not feeling that great that is also fine but i just like don't call it pms Love. like you don't need to escalate it if it needs if it only needs like one and done it's like all right i'll only explain it one time use this again i'm not talking to you um that would probably be enough but you know stay firm to what you what you say but also just like be mindful of how you say it because it will come off the wrong way and not everyone like you said will interpret it properly so like like even this podcast like if we get it wrong, just let us know. Don't flame us, but just let us know so we could fix it. And then in the next episode, we could like come back and restructure it to make sure that it's like correct and it doesn't hurt anybody's feelings type of thing. So like, uh, just be mindful. If you could change your language in that moment, change it. If you can't change it in the moment and, you know, heads go aflame, talk about it later when, every, when everything is cool. It's like, you're not just PMSing or it's like, you're just feeling something and we could talk about it. It's like, what do you need? And how can I help you? And say this like, oh, you can help me by doing this. You can help me by doing that. Reaffirming that I'm going through this experience right now. It's not forever. Just be patient with me. So be patient in these conversations. But if it does come to, if it does come to a head, make sure you close that loop. Don't leave that gap opening. <laughs> close it. So then there's no lingering or festering emotions that could come out later because then, you know, it'll just be a cycle over and over again. Close the cycle. Close it. <laughs> Don't leave those gaps there. But that's just my last uh, tangent for tonight, especially for this, uh, for this topic of pure poverty and history. We had a lot of gaps in our knowledge and what we could do now in talks of periods, poverty, and menstruators is that we're trying to close this gap, this knowledge gap and hopefully educate those further down the line, right? Uh, to our best of knowledge, right? Until, <laughs> until we, until the return of, you know, a higher scholar that could join us, you know, <laughs> for the next, the next couple things. So yeah, that's my soapbox since we love soapboxes here. <laughs> love a good soapbox. I know it's a, it's quite a lot, but it is also like, let me look at the time. It's, well, because you have to go to bed because you have to go to work. And I feel so sorry that I took a little bit much of your time. Sorry. No, but it's okay. <laughs> it was a great conversation. And I hope that um, all you menstruators learned something new, maybe, or you non-menstruators walked away from this being a little bit more understanding about menstruators. Um, hope everyone kind of learned something, pulled something. Mm -hmm. from it. I certainly did. Yep. And then since this episode will not, well, I could actually put this up for Friday since since february is a new month uh i have some great plans for it and uh jazz would you like to join me on a special episode for galentine's day are we coming back for that i would love to i don't know what's going on that day but i'm excited are we having anyone else are you gonna have anyone else on because i know usually you kind of do like a cap of three so is anyone else gonna be joining us? i'm gonna see if our other interns who've Ooh. aired some of their experiences like spill the tea type of, I'm just kidding <laughs> relationships is this gonna be the episode y'all better tune in that week it's gonna be <laughs> relationships and then other things because there are some awareness events for that month so that is something that we can also talk about as well but I will 
tease that in our future meetings and also in our social media accounts. But for now, we will say goodnight to Jazz because she has to go. And goodnight from me to you, everybody here. And then good morning from wherever else you're listening from. Okay, so that will be the end of our podcast in three, two, one.